Listen, you punks. You are never going to make it in the real world with that attitude. Or that work ethic. Or that personality. Or that face. Or that outfit. Or those teeth. Or that haircut. Or that mole. Or that weird way you slurp your drink. Or that chip on your Now that you're gathered here, I'd like to read the last will and testament of Jackson, the former leader of the Scorpion Gang. All gathered here, friends, family, confidants, should understand a little about Jackson's life. So before the bequeathment begins, he's prepared a note addressing you all. It reads, if you're reading this, it means I've been killed. Likely, someone would have hired a man with other pants and a great mustache to fight me while I'm dressed, less conspicuously, like John Candy and Uncle Buck. We probably had a long, drawn-out, sword-and-fist fight scene starting atop a skyscraper, but ending in a public park. It was probably epic. I, of course, will win. But then some coward will shoot me in the back. Tisk tisk. It all means that someone is trying to muscle in on my territory. It could be any number of crime lords, all with names like Phoenix and the Black Dragon. But it is likely a white dude in another movie called Paolo, who's speaking English but is dubbed for some reason. His legion of gray suits will be pulling the strings, trying to yojimbo everyone against each other. So Raymond, my son, please, please avenge me, even if you don't want to. Now, there's something else you should know. Someone else will hire a ninja to kill Paolo. It's probably Paolo's uncle, but that's of no importance, really, as we will spend no time with him, instead focusing on a bunch of white people who are supposedly ninja. In case you're unfamiliar, ninjutsu is a martial art practiced for millennia by covert spies used primarily to scout information, sow confusion, and kill political rivals. There are many different types of ninja, but the two you should know about... The dreaded black ninja. Skinny white demons who look normal one minute can transform and slash you down the next. But the most feared is the yellow ninja. A ninja so powerful it can appear out of nowhere dressed in bright yellow with a headband emblazoned with the word ninja so as to announce its very presence to both God and the devil for he fears neither. This won't really have anything to do with you. But it's pretty cool, and they do a lot of flippy moves when they fight. Anyway, if you take down Phoenix and Paolo and whoever else you need to, because honestly, it gets really confusing trying to remember everybody's white names. But if you do that, you'll take over my crime empire and become the most powerful man in Hong Kong or maybe Osaka or wherever we are. Either here or Japan. <laughs> You will sit atop the throne as the leader of the Scorpions. And then, and only then, you can proudly exclaim, Here I am. Rock me like a hurricane. <laughs> oh, <yes. laughs> Hello, Phoenix? Yeah, tell me what's on your mind. 
Your Scorpio gang no longer exists. It is dead along with your father. Now we are controlling the territory. It's your fate, Raymond. I'm here to kill you. Roll call. Casey Regan. Guys, trust me. I will bring Video High back to days of power and glory. <laughs> Jamie Kennedy. I've said it before, it's a great sign when the IMDb page for a movie has a cast list where each actor is lacking a headshot. It's an even better sign when it's also lacking 95% of the character names. <laughs> Josh Rossan. I can't decide if this is too much movie or too little movie. It's the perfect amount of movie. And we're not ready. Our, bri- our brains can't handle it. I don't know where to begin. Uh, well, you begin with a slow zoom into someone's dad. <laughs> no, no, no. You begin with a montage over a You're the Best Around ripoff instrumental cover. Right. Into just some guy who's in, like, summer grill attire. Oh, yes. And showing his katana You're, talk- you're talking about our main character, Gordon. Oh, no, no, no. He's Gordon. not our main character. He's our side character. He's our fifth character. I don't know. How anymore. dare you? He's How like, dare he's you? He's the yeah. main character in movie number two that's happening at the same time as movie number one. He's the main right. character in my heart. The opening sequence is so frenetically insane of this dad bod guy just whipping out his katana in he his backyard. He wants to backyard. show off his newest flea market buy, guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> He spent he spent a cool hundred dollars on it. I'll be honest, I wanted a katana after this sequence. He made it look awesome. He made it look so cool, just like brandishing it, just it's glimmering. He wasn't really in the sun. doing anything with it, was he? Doesn't he was matter. Just sort the of... sword yeah. is what's cool. <laughs> sword <laughs> much is like, awesome. Well, much like all of his accessories, like he doesn't really do much with them, but they look cool in the montage as he preps them. Oh, there's a lot. There's a lot of weapon prepping. And right. then we get the first casualty in the movie, like. 30 seconds out of the gate, which is this bar mitzvah boy in a burnt business suit <laughs> that... You just described half the cast of the yes. movie. Seriously. <laughs> like, literally... That whole side of the movie couldn't have been more than 15 or 16 years old, right? Like, they no. were so oh, young. They, they're a bunch kids. of teenagers they who like... are also mob bosses? Yes! It looked like a high school film. <laughs> it was like a straight out of college villainy startup. One half of this movie is just a like square jawed, blonde haired, tan, surfer looking white dude murdering teenagers. Like, <laughs> that is one half of this movie. And that first scene, it, he just like stabs a guy on like. I thought it was like this was his son and he was like going mad. <laughs> this is like the beginning of a Greek tragedy. The movie really does set you up from the beginning for its incoherence because it goes immediately into that first scene so we have just this random transaction on the street that we're not given any context to or any follow-up for of a guy handing off money again a teenage looking motherfucker who then (laughs) walks along the street uh and then a yellow dressed ninja jumps out of nowhere, the white guy from the titles, and just <laughs> kills him. And kills again, him. in case Dead. you were confused whether he was a ninja or not, as Greg described, on his headband, it just says ninja. <laughs> I have never really experienced something in a movie that didn't bother me at first, and the more I looked at it, the uglier it got. <laughs> yes. like, the more just insane I felt. Part of me feels like this movie would do best if we do a quick sum up, because the movie's intensely convoluted, but the plot is ridiculously simple. 
Yes. Because honestly, my notes are insane. Like yeah. they sound like a first grader's journal. It's like, and then this happened, and then this happened. And At then the this very happened, least, and we need to like doesn't yeah. mean anything. At the right. very least, we need to like split it and and like go over the plot of one half of this movie and then go over the plot <laughs> of the second half of this movie because cross cutting between them is going to sound incoherent. So we're doing two episodes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this movie's painted with incoherence. Like, <laughs> instead of instead of white paint and gesso, they were just like. Like, let's throw a little incoherence over here. We'll put a ninja here. <laughs> okay. Greg, I don't know what the future of this podcast is, but let's let's get some things square between <laughs> the four of us. There's like the one story is about this like this Hong Kong sort of like Rod Steiger character who's like dealing with uh the death of his father and like coming to terms with his own person while rising through the ranks of crime and then this mindless killing machine unknowingly affecting this other person's life this was definitely movies that knew nothing of each other <laughs> being <laughs> cut together these are unfinished two unfinished movies this please tell us <laughs> yes <laughs> oh, <laughs> thank, thank god. god so oh. so okay so i'm so. almost disappointed i wanted to believe <laughs> you should, you sh- that this was you all planned be. Oh, no, 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 no. You shouldn't yeah. be because the stories are actually insane. Uh, we'll get into it a l- more in the ripoff report card. But the short version is Godfrey Ho, Joseph Lai, and Thomas Tang, collectively IFD Film and Arts, had a string of movies, many of them ninja movies, where they purchased the rights to low-budget uh, international Korean Thai, Thai uh, Taiwanese movies would cut them up. Sometimes we'd cut one movie. Sometimes we'd cut two movies. Sometimes we'd <laughs> cut three movies. Put them together. Shoot about ten to fifteen minutes worth of new anglicized ninja footage. Redub the whole movie and then put it out. Okay, I mean there's sick. an art to fucking that. Sick. I love it. Fucking so it's awesome. it's a more incoherent version of Saban. <laughs> it's like it's <laughs> wait, how dare you? <laughs> this it's, movie this movie's playing i look i love me my rangers but this <laughs> this movie is playing with bigger themes i think this movie <laughs> is about honor and death and uh, revenge this and, is a, and yet their transformations are on the same level as a power yes, rangers transformation I mean, casey <laughs> oh that's so beautiful god that's such a cool way to make movies They've done so many movies like this where it's just like they follow such a rigid formula about you're just like you will see them at the beginning. If you're lucky, they'll pepper them in like they'll pepper the new footage into the rest of the movie. You'll see it at the end. Every so often they'll cut it where two characters are having a conversation like like Richard Harrison, who's the, the white guy who's in like so many of these they'll have like a single of him talking and then they'll have a single of somebody else responding and it's clear that they're not in the same room oh Oh, i want that these movies are are put together like kind of like an exquisite corpse these these men they're less filmmakers and more like scrapbookers like this movie is a like delightful decoupage of scenes that i loved and it's like when you look at the whole thing you kind of see like okay there is 
there's theme, there's form here, but it's like pointillism is what you're saying. Exactly. <laughs> there's like a, there's something there. You're, you're just if you just have to step way, way back, way, 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 way back. <laughs> they had German expressionism and this is Hong Kong impressionism. <laughs> uh all right, well, uh let's step back now, y'all, and let's yeah. take a look at this thing. Real quick poll. What was your favorite of the two movies? Ooh. Oh, the new one. Of course. Easily. It's I like the ninja footage. I love Raymond's. Raymond's love story was my favorite. Yep. Oh, d- Raymond disagree. was like, Wait. Raymond is so like smooth and funny and like his is an interesting story. And then Gordon's side is just montage after montage. Gordon's side is garbage and I would much rather watch the complete film that Raymond is in. I don't want to just do this to create controversy because I think there's so, a part of me that is so with Jamie and Josh that I think the Raymond story was like, there are parts of it that are really good. It had the vibe of like watching a like YouTube supercut of Sopranos scenes. It's like you're not <laughs> yeah, 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 getting yeah, yeah. the full thing, but you're getting all the meaty <laughs> scenes. But I just, there's like the unseens in the ninja one. Like the the fact that this is like a fifty year old man and he sits in silence sharpening shurikens. I'm like, this is he's. There's like a Coen Brothers movie hidden in that. This is like. So let's start with Gordon's story then, since we did. Okay. We we had his opening, so the Gordon plot line. Ooh. Plot is a really plot generous term. So the, the the bar mitzvah boy that he kills in the opening of the movie is one of a long line of bar mitzvah boys, uh, led by <laughs> so actually again, Paolo. Actually, this is a legitimate question. Is he? I think I, I don't know. Posit, I think he's just a person, <laughs> and he the only reason that we see it is to establish the fact that Gordon is a ninja. For hire. I think that that okay. is the only reason. Well, that we see they it. all shop at the same men's warehouse. That's right. That's for sure. <laughs> I mean, I... really, it's actually a boys' warehouse. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't become a men's warehouse until after the bar. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think that Gordon executed that first guy for the for a very specific crime, a crime that keeps coming up in this movie. It's the crime of being a gossipy. So much of this movie is characters telling each other whispered secrets that they are not sharing with us and never share with us because those characters die after after learning... After another character leans into their ear and goes, Casey, snitches get stitches. That's the, the theme of this movie. Which movie does Paolo fall into, though? Because no, Paolo's part of Gordon's. He's part of Gordon's like, story yeah. because he does intersect yeah. heavily. The only way they intersect is that Paolo sent someone to kill yeah. uh, Raymond's father because he wanted to basically make the gangs fight each other and therefore they would gain so power in this turf. Yeah. Okay, Paolo's the glue between the two Paolo's the glue, yeah, yeah. Paolo is another teenager in another suit who sits in his uncle's office who (laughs) is apparently a a mob leader. Yep, and he's he's surrounded by his three closest advisors, Jeffrey, Frank, and Peter. The camera was inside these poor kids' pores. I am like, I was like... So sorry for the acne they oh. suffered on their close-up day. 
<laughs> the dubbing, the dubbing for that half. You, you understand the dubbing for one half of the movie because it is a foreign sure. language film. The dubbing for this half of the movie, which is all white people speaking English clearly, like, uh, what? Yeah. But Paolo, <laughs> this crime boss of this baby gang, is making the Cardinal Ron decision to split from his uncle's organization called the organization. From now on, we are going to work for ourselves, not for the organization. That's really a big gamble. Don't be such a fool. This is our district. I loved these kids, and I was really rooting for them. (laughs) They had some moxie. They had some get up and go. The youth today, they don't want to get into crime like they once did. You know, they don't make them like those kids anymore. Well, they yeah, they don't want to climb the ladder. They expect crime to just be handed to them. Well, boss, mission accomplished. Well done, Gordon. My pleasure. So now we're back with Gordon speaking with Paolo's uncle, speak of the devil, uh, saying that the, he trusts Gordon more than Paolo, which is a weird thing to say, unless that's the lead into, I'd like you to kill my nephew, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And which it is. it is. It is. Yeah. And he hands him a picture of his contact, Lisa. Oh. And we get an immediate guitar riff. <laughs> I have ne- motherfucking Lisa arrives in this movie. Like, it is such a... This movie knows how to, like, intro a motherfucking character. It doesn't matter how inconsequential that character is to the plot. They they introduce the fuck out of people. Because that guitar hit sounds. We get a close-up of the, like, right on the appearance of the Lisa photo. And then we see Gordon, like, stare off into the sunset. Like, who the fuck is this Lisa? <laughs> Counterpoint. This movie does not know how to introduce a single person. I okay. could not keep anyone no. straight. It took me 45 minutes to get Gordon under control. So we're reiterated by the uncle that the rules of this organization is traitors must die. And Gordon tries to give some leeway being like, I mean, that's not written in stone anywhere. Like, this is your nephew. <laughs> and he's like, no, no. kill my nephew. <laughs> no. That was... little fucking bastard. <laughs> the rest of this movie, Gordon is a like emotionless monster. <laughs> yeah. He is he is a like android designed to uh, shred him up. Because once you, once you say go, there's no turning back. Like right, I will my... kill your nephew. <laughs> First, I will kill three random people. <laughs> then I will kill your nephew's three best friends. Then I will kill your nephew. So right. like <laughs> this is my process. You understand? <laughs> I'm a stone cold psychopath. So yep. once we get this train on the tracks, it don't stop. As this movie goes on, we keep checking in to Paolo's office. It's just like we're just like checking in on the fodder. It is yes. a fate de compli that these little fucking chuds are going to be ninja food. These are like meats <laughs> just walking around at this point. But we check in everyone. So we, the audience, like peeks our head in and be like, how you guys doing? <laughs> <laughs> Only like two of you left now. Ah, that's going to be crazy. Can't wait to see the rest of you die. All right, back to the, re- back to the movie. Yeah, well, so, so the reason why the Gordon storyline and why for the majority of the of the movies that I've scene of of godfrey ho and joseph lies the new footage is always my favorite because it is so beautifully utilitarian they're like all right people want 
ninjas. We're gonna give them ninjas. What does that mean? Putting people in dumbass costumes, giving them swords, and having them fight. Then we will have another movie happen, <laughs> and every so often, when shit gets boring, we're gonna cut back to the 12 sausages that we'd already packed in our lunchbox, and one of them's gonna get fucking eaten. And you may be wondering, are all the ninjas white? And the answer is, yes. Every yes. single ninja is white. As they all are in real life. <laughs> <laughs> but it's also baffling, because, okay. Period. Period. <laughs> it is a, a joyous experience watching this movie. It should be said. It is baffling and incomprehensible, but I hung on its every muddled word. I hung on it. On every rogue shuriken. It's so much of, of just wide-eyed innocence in, in the in the face of this thing. <laughs> Because <laughs> it was, it was a, it was a fucking ride. Never less so than when Gordon is fucking kicking ass, and that makes me think the footage of people in ninja outfits fighting. Absolutely, no. Was it new? Because it mm -hmm. definitely wasn't. They definitely didn't work very hard to find people in those outfits. The proportions of the actors. I thought they were the actors, honestly. No like they, way. they were so gangly and like. No, the, the first the first scene, the montage. Uh, you know, Richard Harrison is fucking like flexing with a katana in his hand, is like is doing like a human statue thing, and then at one point, like turns very quickly and does flips. And it's not only like it's not only a different person; it's a person with brown hair. <laughs> Dude, it is a person Casey, with brown hair Casey, doing that. Flip. I believe that movies should transport me away, and I don't think about <laughs> you know where the seams are. The only scene that really connects them in a true meaningful way is an obvious, like you said, Greg, shot reverse shot in a car between Paolo and Phoenix. Yeah, they cut from. <laughs> Lisa to uh, <laughs> motherfucking Lisa. This lady's Paolo, gonna be uh, in the movie for a minute. To Paolo in a car uh, and Phoenix in another car, cutting between the two where they're conspiring, uh, yeah, to take over his uncle's empire. Phoenix is a woman. <gasps> Once Scorpio and Green Dragon are destroyed, you and I will control everything. She's a Corona de looking lady with uh, one of those long cigarette holder things. And, <laughs> and she then... fucking loves fucking. That, she that goes, God. I love she... that her first swing for anyone is like, so are we going to do this? No? Okay, anyway, I know who killed your father. Right. Like that's, that's her like negotiation strategy is like, uh, 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 Phoenix. No? Okay. <laughs> it's all carrot, no stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Phoenix is... <laughs> Like a woman in goddamn full, baby. She is putting the vibe out all movie. She is, <laughs> and she's so not you know. the only one. I will say this movie. Uh, Bucks? Women get what Bucks. they want in this movie. This the movie men had one hundred and fifty percent more sex than I expected. A movie with the no. title "Power of Ninjutsu" to have. totally. And the yeah. thing is, all all of it started by women. All of it initiated by women, and all of them seem like they're having a great time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. And all of it in the Japanese film. None of it was in the American film. Listen, when they'd shoot new footage, they used, like, the interior of the office at IFD and then the park right outside. <laughs> <laughs> the next scene we get in American movie is Gordon visits Lisa. Shows her uh, his um, Captain Crunch serial decoder <laughs> ring uh, that they both have. And then they share a refreshing Coke over an info dump. Uh, 
Something's got to pay for this movie, man. Something's got to <laughs> pay for this movie. Poe and Phoenix are working together now. Their plan is to take the Black Dragon Scorpio clan. I thought it was going to go, he was going to go a sort of Bond Yeah, yeah, route. yeah. Uh, like he was gonna be a bit of a like a womanizer. Uh, they certainly uh, set that sexy. up. They set no, it up. he's a fucking cold, ruthless dead behind machine. the eyes, ruthless killing machine. He is he the Terminator. No he for... is not James Bond. Yep. It's it really took a turn. I imagine that this Gordon movie could have been like Coen Brothers movie. Like imagine a scene of him walking up to Lisa's hotel room, <laughs> just a long shot in the hallway, no music. Imagine, oh. Like, <laughs> that is like imagine. Imagine him sharpening those shurikens and there isn't like 80s Casio keys playing. It's just the sound of like, shink, shink. <laughs> and it's still like an eight minute scene yeah, or whatever. Yeah. That would have, this would have been a dark ass movie. As they're just talking with Lisa, she t- tells him that Jeffrey, Frank, and Peter are Paolo's right hand men. And he says, I need to know, like, their whereabouts and where I can find them. Which, like, would be really good setup if the next three kills weren't of completely different people who we don't know how they're related to the plot whatsoever. They give us three (laughs) names, and the next fucking scene is Gordon sharpening a shuriken and using it to kill Jonathan, who's not on the list at all. The only real plan we ever get from Paolo, the only thing coming close to a criminal conspiracy, we know he wants to be a criminal. We know he wants to be the boss of criminaling, but we never see him do any crimes. We never see him plan anything. We never see him make money even in an uncouth way. The only thing he ever... We want... We have a very quick phone call with Phoenix, which is so hilarious because there was no time to get anything out. Like, uh, the Paolo guy answers the phone and is like, hey, how are you? It is actually good to hear you now that I hear you now. Okay, that's great. I'll see you tomorrow. Take care. Like, he and, says, then we have a, and then we have like a great close up on the on the phone being yes. hung up, and it's right. just like to really emphasize, like, yeah, 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 we just did some shit. We just like got some plot in, and they're like, "What's the plot?" They're like, "Shut up, keep going." Right. It's the the only the only possible other side to the phone conversation from Phoenix would be like. Hi, Paolo. I love you very much. I wanted to say that. <laughs> okay, bye. Like there was, <laughs> or or it'd be like, all right, Paolo. I want to let you know I got the stuff. Okay, take care. No, Paolo. I gotta tell you where. <laughs> he, uh, but then the only thing he says to his cadre of uh, right hand men uh, is. Keep your eyes open. Tell the men to keep their eyes open. And none of these fucking guys keep their eyes open. No. We learned that this gang is not ready for crime. <laughs> this, no. This oh, seven well. foot tall yellow uh, <laughs> yellow suited behemoth sneaks up on them. So that these guys are not keeping their eyes in open. broad daylight. Every in broad time. daylight. With, in, uh, in broad daylight. In public. No, it, in it's public, very much. It's in very just much like malls. Ju- yeah, it's very much John Wick vibes where you have to just accept that this is a universe where ninja killings can happen anywhere and maybe anyone right. can be a ninja and everyone just goes about their business while the killings happen around them being like, okay, another another ninja fight. All right. So the first guy that he kills after sharpening the shuriken for nine straight minutes, <laughs> he, he shows up in a public park. There's a guy walking. He's not in the ninja suit. He just says, Jonathan. And then he throws a shuriken right into the guy's sternum, 
guy immediately dies. Yep. Gordon just walks away as if yeah. nothing has happened, is in no rush to leave the scene of the crime. <laughs> well, what's great is that Jonathan dies, and he really had no chance. Everyone no. else at least kind of like gets a reaction, kind of. <laughs> there are fights that end up happening. I mean, the first three guys are are red shirts. Like, yeah. like it's more, again, it's more about the, the, the prepping montage of him preparing the weapons to kill these red shirts than any fight that would happen. Like, the, the, the end kill is not the, the, the goal. It's sharpening <laughs> shurikens. It's was, putting what? poison into poison darts and no, setting them. No, the up. second one no, is second the revolver. Poison. No, no, no. Revolver's the third revolver's one. Third one because yeah. Revolver's the third because, one. Second one is poison darts with beautiful feathers on them. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> the right the third, yeah, the third one is revolver because it's the most diminishing returns and screams Harrison Ford in Raiders of the Lost Ark energy where it's like, no, I don't know, really. I don't know. Just put some bullets in a gun and shoot a guy. I can't today. Richard Harrison Ford, baby. Richard Harrison <laughs> nice. Ford. The whole Gordon side plot is like an episode of Ancient Weapons where they're just like, the ninja used shuriken. And it's like, what's a shuriken? This is a shuriken. Okay, now we have to demonstrate how the shuriken would kill somebody. Hey, Jonathan, what? Ah! <laughs> they just kill a fucking intern. <laughs> the ninjas use revolvers. Chink, chink. Yeah. The third. You know the Chinese invented gunpowder. Bang. <laughs> so okay. First up, the, the the guy with the poison darts is amazing because again. The guy's like walking in what seems like the the exterior of like a giant parking garage, and Gordon shoots him with a blow dart. And usually, I'm pretty sure you try to get like a big artery with a poison dart. No, this guy gets shot square in the fucking forehead. This Bullseye, guy has been headshotted. So the th- oh, what's great God. is that after the blow dart, then we see him, <laughs> then we the next time we see Gordon, okay. he's just he's just loading a gun, gun. <laughs> which yeah. last I checked, a revolver, not a stealthy weapon. With him sharpening the shuriken and like making the poison darts is like there's a process there <laughs> once we get to the revolver it's just a dude loading a revolver like I know. It's, nothing, it's just like they're like shit well we have to milk two minutes out of this like one bullet <laughs> the third guy that gordon has to kill for some unknown reason is a dude it is fucking sunday whites yeah with the <laughs> longest rattiest fucking mullet i think i've ever goddamn seen this dude looks like uh if you distilled the entire movie heavy metal parking lot into one person (laughs) he looked like a yeah a door-to-door iron maiden salesman (laughs) (laughs) the band or the iron maiden or both yes whatever sells whatever gets him in the door sir what does the american buying public want they want a little Peace of mind. Well, Iron Maiden's peace of mind LP is at a at a whopping fourteen dollar discount this week. What number would I interest you at? What number? Number of the beasts? <laughs> Did hot for teacher or was that family? All- <laughs> oh, honey. Oh, honey, baby. <laughs> so he, Gordon wraps the gun, or no, he doesn't even wrap the gun in the newspaper. He no, folds sort of fold the newspaper it. over the gun. Yeah. Over <laughs> and, the loud part, though, yeah. so it's very, very, very quiet. 
And then, yeah, I think my favorite part of this scene is that he walks up to William. William turns around. And he asks, do I know you? And Gordon says, you did. Did he? But just now. <laughs> just now. He just met him. It would have been so good if Gordon was just like, made you look. <laughs> that actually no, you better. did. I thought you did was, um, it's nonsense, but it flirts with, like, in that phrase, in that sort of script eloquence, there's a shape of something. Like, uh, do I know you? You did is like, that's the thought going through a dead man's head. Like, he's about to be dead. You did know me. Now you know no one. Like, there's... <laughs> For a split second, we knew each other. <laughs> yeah. The fact that these kills get so much, like, less exciting, it fits into this the narrative. If there's any narrative to this, it's a portrait of a psychopathic killer. Like... Yeah, like uh, the the first kill is exciting, and then as it gets going, it's just it's rote. The first kill is something you play for, is something you plan and and matriculate. Always chasing that white dragon after that, baby. I know exactly. It's never the same. Which which is different though than the other one, which is the black dragon. <laughs> That's a different movie, but also the same That's movie. It's the <laughs> different same movie. Yeah, oh, that old movie that knew nothing about this other movie. One movie knows the other movie is happening <laughs> the other movie those people live in a past totally ignorant of gordon lisa shores gordon pictures of jeffrey frank and peter remember them uh yeah <laughs> the people she told him to kill and describes peter as and i uh, quote he's a real sex maniac peter with the australian with dubbed Ginger. listen you know the cardinal rule of filmmaking is tell don't show when she says this is Jeffrey. Every morning he practices martial arts in Green Park. She holds up a picture like out of like a children's scrapbook. <laughs> this, this little dweeb with a staff. This is Jeffrey. He practices karate. <laughs> it's the funniest thing that has ever happened. Like she's like, okay, I know the fucking haunts of two of these guys because like really bad gangsters, they just go to the same place every fucking day. Yeah. She's like, I don't know. Peter just goes different places, so I don't know. Where fuck. Right, exactly. I never see him. I see. I see uh, Frank eating breakfast and Jeffrey uh, practicing. Peter, I never see. I assume he's fucking all the time. You've seen Peter. He's a babe magnet. Peter is George Carlin, young George Carlin, if in the video game uh, character creation you turn forehead all the way up. <laughs> Max out forehead bar. Peter, Peter. At this point in the movie, right before this happened, Josh was like, it's been way too long since there's been a ninja fight. Well, and then I summoned a ninja fight, albeit an an absurdly short one. Jeffrey's practicing with his bow staff in uh, what I assume was the photo shoot for the photo that Lisa shows Gordon. <laughs> and then Gordon teleport cartwheels into the scene. But then Jeffrey <gasps> says, I'm a ninja too. And he Power Ranger transforms into black ninja duds. So when he Power Ranger transforms, I was psyched. And then just as soon as my excitement peaked, it ended because Gordon like slices him along the cheek and then teleports away and that's it. Uh, Scene uh, over. Uh, 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 uh. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, let's not forget that uh, every death from here on out that Gordon uh, causes will end in slow motion. Uh, 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 uh. The dubbed <laughs> groans are really like spilling out of this movie. It is, it is really where it flexes muscles. Like, <laughs> yeah, in that scene, we learn that all the ninjas are magic. 
<laughs> when ninjas suddenly appear. <laughs> so now one down, we cut to Paulo, who tells his teen goons to put up a reward for Jeffrey's killer. Gordon is stalking Frank now, in his Terminator fashion. Uh, another Power Rangers transformation. Uh, some actually this time with cool... this time with some pizzazz. This yeah. time it wasn't just a jump in the air. It was a bit of showmanship that he vogued into a ninja outfit. I think this fight scene was actually better. There's a pretty cool like slow mo backflip over a sword cut that I thought was pretty yeah. neat. But then it's over and Gordon teleports away. His planet needed him. We do keep cutting back to Paolo after all of these, where he's like, damn it, now Frank is dead. Now Peter's dead. And like, you, I kept wondering. <laughs> the plan like, isn't going great you know, for like, old Paolo. <laughs> but like, I also don't know if he like has put the pieces together. I also like imagining because like all of their scenes was shot in the same room and clearly on the same day. I really like imagining like they do one scene with all of them and then they're like, and that's a wrap on Jeffrey. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. And then he leaves the room and they do the next scene. <laughs> The fact that Paolo and company at no point ever talks about how things are not going well. Like a Friday the 13th movie where there's a a gaggle of kids in the cabin and they're just like, oh, let's split up. Yeah. And like, and and suddenly they're like, oh, there were four of us. Now there's only three of us. I guess, uh, I guess Janie went to go take a shower. Oh, she's been in the shower a really long time. (laughs) Heather should have come back from the topless weed store by now. (laughs) At at this point though, Paolo's, uh, acne covered mobsters do tell him that Lisa is after him which he still doesn't put together any pieces but he uses this as uh, incentive to send another ninja dressed in black uh, after Lisa who whips her to death Ooh, that would be that would be Peter yeah that that's our boy Peter sex mania <laughs> oh my god it actually yeah. makes sense. I didn't realize that was Peter I'm gonna right. be perfectly oh, yeah. honest he has a metal like whippy thing and he f- basically just flagellates her for oh. a while. And then, yeah. and then at some point Dark. she's just like, well, I'm spent. <laughs> but before that, she writes a phone number, a phone number. I think it's a phone number in her own blood. Does she write it? I thought he wrote it. I think as a I message. I thought her hand was. Maybe I don't know. No, Josh, Josh, you may be right, but I that is not what I read immediately. But now that you say it, it makes perfect sense. Like she had finished writing it. Oh, maybe. I think it was the, the ninja did it because he was just like, we fucking know that you're doing this. We killed Lisa. Like, come on, fight us like men. That is what I read when I saw it. That because Because I don't know why she would write it. <laughs> because it's very much or how um, she would know the number. Yeah, it, it, why would she right. the phone number? Why would she right. write a phone number? She's <laughs> been she's been like whipped to death with like a bicycle chain, <laughs> and then stabbed through with a katana. But she like heads to the desk and gets the Rolodex. It's like Paolo. It is terrifying. Yeah, and it is terrifying and tantalizing like it's purposefully tantalizing like she gets her dress ripped off which that and she's like on the bed and looks coquettishly back like oh oh my and even as she's being whipped (laughs) she's just pressing tit down on pillow like ah ooh, as they're like okay i i uh, 
movie. I, <laughs> I'm flattered. I have a partner. <laughs> We're not, like, I, I, you know, it's, it's I, of course, I, on a different life, I would movie, of course. <laughs> like, it, this movie is always I have, an- I have another movie, movie. <laughs> yeah, we, we have to go back. I have to, f- I have to find out what happens to Raymond. I have a previous <laughs> commitment with another film. I'm seeing another movie right now. <laughs> Literally, I am it's, trying to watch another movie. It's a bit of an older movie. I needed that experience <laughs> in my life. It was a real tragedy because the guitar sting lets you know that Lisa <laughs> fucking lived. That's how I want to be remembered. I want someone to <laughs> look at pictures of me with guitar stings. I mean, Fuck. to be fair, if your legacy is also led great life, was cool guitar stingable, killed by ninja pretty good <laughs> pretty good sick good open. yeah good open. that is a that is a real open next up on the chopping block peter uh gordon stalks peter there's more power ranger stuff uh peter uses arm batons to fight mm-hmm. off gordon pretty uh, dope. but gordon guts him with his katana and uh he satisfied that he's now killed all of his quarry he lowers his mask and does not teleport away i will say that you have missed something important which is that this fight starts with hand fighting (laughs) then they materialize weapons yes yes the coup de gras of the fight is at the end when Gordon fucking JCVD splits <laughs> and stabs, just katanas the shit out of Peter. Oh, and yeah, just like penetrates like moment- the sex maniac, <laughs> gets down to a gets down to a compromising position and penetrates the sex maniac who we just do a sadomasochistic sexual abuse on our darling sweet Lisa. <laughs> it was- it was vindication. Lisa will remember you. <laughs> the next thing that we get with them is Gordon talking to Paolo on the phone, as ninjas yes. do, which is literally just like them high school fight. <laughs> like they're just like, all Come right, like, on the tomorrow, fucking, yeah, tomorrow by the big rock, 3 p.m. <laughs> but the big rock. Okay, what they say is, we'll settle this <laughs> as ninjas yes. tomorrow. Yeah. Tomorrow afternoon at Skull Valley. I guess guess fucking Skull Valley is the name of a national park because where they show up, looks like there's a tire swing off screen. According to this movie. It's a duel. Where they just (laughs) materialize guns. Sure, sure. (laughs) They summon guns. It's the worst reenactment of Hamilton I've ever seen. (laughs) Notable is that they both show up in their fucking colors. We can't skip past Paolo's headband, which reads, Nin, an image of two people fighting, Ja. Ja. (laughs) The party Uh city... Shopping run that happened before this movie. Like, I, oh, I'm I'll sorry, tell you, Jamie. Sister, it it happened way before this movie because <laughs> those outfits are used in all of these. Oh, yeah. wow. I need to believe someone with the word designer in their job title made it those just, headbands. It looks like like a McDonald's birthday crown. The way yeah, it's like the split big up. boy yeah. is the ninja today. <laughs> Gordon had a ninja themed birthday. Because it's Gordon's big day. They start, they start with the with guns. guns. It first starts thing, with guns. I have them first written thing down. The ninjas, is like a quick draw. Yeah, the ninja's most prized uh, weapon, gun. They have, they have their snub noses, and they each put in 
one single bullet, and yet somehow <laughs> Gordon's yeah. one bullet becomes four because he <laughs> right. shoots it a lot. No, I like to believe that's part of Gordon's psychopathic plan for everything perfect killing machine. He, to put Paolo into the, to initiate the ninjutsu quick draw, as is tradition, uh, he puts the one bullet into the gun, showing Paolo, yes, we are doing single bullet shootout. But because... Uh, the power of ninjutsu. No, I think because Gordon is is the killer, is the is death incarnate, he has already loaded three other bullets in there because he is going to kill Paolo. There's no <laughs> chance Paolo's winning this fight. There's no chance Paolo survives. Well, he tries, I mean, he makes his play in this point because he, oh, he, 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 he tries to win Gordon over to his side saying, if you team up with me, I can give you riches. We can take over my uncle's organization and we can run it. But this is when Gordon is like, well, I don't do it for the money. And yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I do it for the fucking kicks, baby. Right. The, the murder boner, baby. Yep. <laughs> they then summon, and I like that they, they summon the same weapons. As the rules of settling it, like Ninja d- dictates. Oh, it's in the, it's in the yeah. bylaws. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you start with guns, then boomerangs. It's a decathlon, but for dueling. <laughs> First guns, then boomerangs, then shurikens, and finally katanas. But also, at the point when they get katanas, they also fucking super saiyan and get shinier costumes. They just, like, they glitter-bombed the fucking costumes at the end of the movie. What's awesome about this fight, apart from everything, and the and the arsenal of arms that they use to brandish at each other and ultimately not really do very much with, is also the fact that the movie is also like, like let's show them all the filmmaker trips tricks we got. We got slow motion. We got fast motion. We got regular motion. Whatever kind of motion you want, this movie's got it. <laughs> and to Paolo's credit, when it finally comes down to katana on katana violence, he disarms Gordon for a moment. But Gordon, being trained for every eventuality, ready to will there is no surviving Gordon fucking drop kicks the sword out of Paolo's <laughs> hand. I, that was awesome. And Gordon triumphant pulls down his mask. A beautiful ending. It, we've 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 Happy come to ending the climax. Gordon wins. Yeehaw. And then suddenly two guns pointed out of nowhere come in from off frame and shoot him. In midair, he falls, freeze frame, the end. Oh my the god. What fuck? What, it what does so it mean? Great. It was so great. An ending so tantalizing, Duchamp wished that he had thought of it. <laughs> And it should be said, of the two guns that are pointed at Gordon's, one of the hands is clearly a man's or a, a male-seeming hand, and the other hand has a big ring on it, almost ha- a seemingly like feminine hand. Whose hand could that be? Perhaps for the answer, we'll have to travel back in time <laughs> to another movie shot years ago. <laughs> to movie B. Because that's the end of movie A. Movie B begins after our main titles with Gordon. We cut to a movie already in progress, a fight in an office between brand new characters. Uh, Then we punch cut to the rooftop out (laughs) of the office. The punch cuts were genius. 
Awesome. I love the punch cuts so much where we, like because they were seamless, they were well edited, and we traversed a lot of space and time with it. And it begs the question, wait, but what's happening in between these cuts? Absolutely. Like, <laughs> oh my god. Are they are they like riding the elevator up together and being like, I like think I like thinking they kept fighting. <laughs> Just yeah. like there were yes. other people like crammed into the corner trying to like read the newspapers <laughs> quietly and these guys are still beating the shit out of each other they say you want to start a movie in the middle of a story this movie took it a little too literally and starting in the middle of a fight scene (laughs) yeah we open on a guy just like wailing on some people in an office building no like no introduction nothing at all all we know is this person is about 45 to 50 years old (laughs) definitely like tubby portly a portly person (laughs) has like a gray mustache josh and i both wrote down columbo yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, totally. Yeah. yeah. But then yeah. he gets his ass handed to him by an unnamed man in a leather jacket with a mustache and, uh, and leather pants and, and, leather, and leather, pants. leather pants. All leather. He threatens uh, Columbo's son, and they duke it out on the rooftop. And then we have another punch cut down to the park where Columbo slow mo uh, KO's leather jacket. But somebody shoots him. I admitted before that I liked our Gordon storyline. Yeah. That's not to say that our Raymond storyline, which is now starting, does not have a lot of perks. One, great mustaches. This movie's oh. mustache quotient. Seriously. So much better. Two, This fight scene that opens up, even though we have no idea where we are, who we're with, or why they're fighting, this fight scene fucking slays. Is real fun, real good. We get we get a dude who is in almost exclusively leather fighting with a katana, which must be fucking hard. That shit clings. Squeaky. Definitely squeak he's just squeaking around. (laughs) I wish that I heard the, 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 the field audio from that. Seriously. <laughs> this movie, you begin, like, at the end of, like, a, a big, like, a helicopter. And you've got to be, like, the green means go, green light, go, go, go. And you have to, like, base jump into this movie. And I was ready for anything. I was looking around, like, all right, they're fighting. Guy's fighting in an office. Okay, now he's fighting another guy. A guy in all leather. And he's got a mustache too, and his hair—he's got like a curly afro. Is this the same guy from the past? <laughs> Is he fighting his past self? You get a compass and a little thing of water, and you're like in the wilderness, and you have to make your way through this movie. Yeah, the, the, this fight scene felt like the rest of the world turns, but these two shall always be fighting. It's a constant. Right. It's like death and taxes. The huge helicopter shot of them fighting on top of the building that just like pulls out and you see the city oh, in the background. That was I was like, this rad. is epic. Yep. This is like an epic. It's like, yeah, Greg, you're right. It's like it's like Thor and Loki doing battle on a mountainside. It's God and Satan, baby. This is the chess game in the Seventh Seal. Right. It's, <laughs> right. That's it's, what this. That's what this is. Spoiler it's alert, black. Greg. I haven't seen the Seventh Seal. <laughs> so we cut back to movie A, where we learn that Columbo is actually named Jackson. His son is named Raymond. 
Uh, Paolo and his crew, they want to take over all the crime syndicates, so their idea is to pit the Black Dragon and the Scorpion against each other. Jackson ran the Scorpion. Now they're like, I don't know, should we take out Raymond? Because now Raymond's technically going to own the Scorpion. But the <laughs> running theme of this whole movie is no one believes Raymond is capable of anything, any greatness. Yeah, when we're introduced to Raymond, I mean, yes. the f- the first scene we see him in, he's like brawling with some. He's getting can, his can, ass handed to can him you by Can you please, yeah, jacket. can you all... Can y'all help me with that scene on the docks? It's so dark. Because it's so it's, dark. It's pitch black. It's... Okay, well, here's what I got. Uh, leather, <laughs> yeah. leather jacket guy uh, throws up, throws down some scorpion gang members. But there's a different. this is a different leather jacket guy. This is a guy. different leather jacket because guy? Because the original leather jacket yeah. guy's dead. They're fighting on docks. There is an explosion at some point. The bad guy <laughs> takes out a bandsaw and tries to hit Raymond in the head with it. Which that was awesome. Fucking- awesome yeah. <laughs> yeah i think the general thing we have to know about this scene because it's all i took away from it was basically like raymond gets his ass handed to him the scorpions are no longer under his control even though by rights it should be and he saves a man's life which will come back later at some point i'm and... happy for this podcast because i i left that scene being like well i sure don't know what i just watched <laughs> <laughs> like, like period like yeah. there was yeah. no like there wasn't right. a moment of reflection because again so much of this movie is like incomprehensible that when right. my brain said i don't know what i just watched there was no reflexive motion to like rewind and like no. like solve no, the, the no, mystery no, 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 no. i'm just like well i guess i'll see what happens next i was like something yeah. did just will show back up it doesn't matter the movie ends up being like this right where the, the, it it's sends you a shitload of information all of which ultimately doesn't really matter because the last 10 minutes of the movie tells you what you need to know at that point yes. everything yeah. else everything else was just a distraction to get you there somehow. accurate yes yeah they get in a fight someone has a sword a couple of them have swords uh, sure. uh, an- another guy pulls I a band. Did they? You could literally make up anything about no, this scene. You a, could be like, a oh, dinosaur shit, a shows yeah, up. Fucking right. none was there. Maybe we all right. Maybe we all saw a different scene. And then someone gets stabbed either with a sword or a long pipe. It's unclear sure. who does the stabbing and who gets stabbed. And then we cut to Raymond carrying his mustached uncle away not uncle. i didn't what? know no, he what? was in the scene no no i Isn't think it? this was i think this was who we find out later to be yeah the headsman yeah, the headsman the head, yeah, head the headsman. wait the headsman the hedgeman the henchman the henchman what was his name <laughs> I believe Jim Henson. His name's James Henson. I think it's the headsman. I think headsman. I think it's the headsman. Okay, too. okay. I, He's the one cool name. He's also not at all introduced, nor no. is in the rest of the movie yep. until ten minutes before the end. And right. so and so the idea where you're supposed to remember later when that guy shows back up that he was in an earlier scene that is literal pitch black nighttime is nuts hey guys literally for the first time we may be using this term correctly this is our Chekhov's headsman (laughs) (laughs) this is literally the first time it actually fits by the definition of that literary device (laughs) (laughs) I am starting it now every time there's a Chekhov there's a bell Chekhov's bell great we're calling it Chekhov's bell Chekhov's bell you should have introduced it way earlier (laughs) damn it 
Oh, listen back. I did. Ooh. So, okay. So, currently Greg, we have... Edit, Greg, edit Josh saying it earlier. <laughs> we now have Chekhov's bell, which is going to get confusing because of Pavlov's dog. <laughs> I did start drooling when he hit that bell, but I am always drooling. So. We skip... Months? Three months later. Okay, this is a legitimate question. Did it say three months later? No, it didn't. No, 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 no. No. Well, there's no title card, but somebody says that Raymond's been missing for three months. This movie doesn't hold your hand like that. No, but it does hold your hand. That's the wild (laughs) thing, is that this movie makes really strange times to hold your hand yep. and when it doesn't where it's like it's like it's like come on everybody there are ninjas do you know what ninjas are ninjas are killing machines <laughs> and then they're just and then they're just like yeah, yeah well then raymond is uh friends with albie and uh chipmunk guy over here we got the scorpions phoenix this movie is like reading fucking gangster dune yeah <laughs> like it's just it this scene is so inscrutable because this sleepy guy is just like staring at a vase. Uh, they're talking about how Raymond's been missing. Then Raymond shows up and beats them up. We have to talk about who is in the room. Please remind me. I honestly is Wilson in the room. Is Wilson? I, I don't remember. Uh, uh, that's probably worth checking because I was just gonna ask you guys about <laughs> <laughs> Wilson, who is looking at the vase. You know, he takes a real face turn halfway he, through this movie. He takes a heel turn. He takes a face turn back yep. to a heel turn. <laughs> right. And so the fact that, uh, like, I'm having trouble believing, I don't know why it's the exact sort of insane that this movie is, but would it introduce a character that our main character is later supposed to be, like, deferent to by, like, knocking him unconscious and sticking an apple in his mouth? <laughs> is that what happens? Is I, th- I, I thought that I thought that guy was dead, but I don't know because the only thing that I could focus on during the scene is the guy with the Hitler mustache. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. yes. Japanese Hitler with Ronald Reagan's voice. <laughs> What's going on here? This is beautiful. It's a statement on. Seeing. It's a statement on uh, Reaganomics in the eighties. You know. And <laughs> yeah. No information permeated into my brain at this no. point. The movie could have turned off and then just come back in two scenes later and I would have gotten the same amount of information because like as soon as I saw that guy with the Hitler mustache I was just like oh <laughs> I know I know I said that Raymond was my favorite movie of the two movies but I honestly did not retain any of the information about that side of the movie until I think like two more scenes from now Raymond is now grown up in the three months since he's <laughs> yes. been gone and he's really changed and his personality now is like he comes in dressed Sort of like he's in like the Rat Pack. It is like he does seem to have a fighting style where he studied under like martial arts virtuoso Jerry Lewis. <laughs> well, I was like, gonna say, yeah, all... because yes. because he has also like a Jack Lemon vibe to him. Yeah, like, totally. Like, like he's a straight man, but like making jokes and he does physical comedy. I really liked him as a main character. He's fighting a very Hamlet esque battle like he is like portraying himself as a bit of a fool and a uh more of a sleazy sort of criminal than he actually is because he's on this ultimate quest for revenge taking over the scorpions is really his means to get in front of the people so that he can avenge his father's death is that though 
because that's what that's what I read. Well, only because it seems like he has to be pushed into avenging his father's death. I he has I, to be shamed into avenging his yeah, father's that, like, death. Yeah, like he's like he's like I'm not here to fucking do that. Is he playing coy at the beginning of the movie? Like I legitimately I think don't he know. Is I think because the next scene in movie B is uh, <laughs> Raymond interrupts a private geisha show, and this is when we get his full. Like Jack Lemon comedic relief. I do like that we're referring to this as movie B, as it is the majority of the <laughs> run. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like an actual story. Yeah, yeah. It is it the is narrative the movie. <laughs> right. It but is, it is not it... the namesake. We meet Mr. Wilson, who was uh, Raymond's father's best friend, who is disappointed. Uh, that Raymond is such a playboy. Yeah, so it must have not been Wilson in that first scene. It must have been, again, just another guy who looked uh, exactly I guess it just didn't same. matter. Cut that whole scene out of this this podcast to save some time. No. <laughs> I mean, the only person really throughout this movie that I could constantly like see and be like, oh, that's him, is Raymond, our main character. Yeah. <laughs> like, every, other scene, every other character you meet took me a minute to be like, who is that? What's their connection? But Raymond was always the anchor. Well, it also doesn't hurt the fact that they actually say his character's name while he's on screen, yes. referring <laughs> yeah. to him. Whereas the majority of other characters, they are referencing when they are not there. And so they're like, you have to get the Black Dragon. Who's the Black Dragon? You'll find out in another scene I when still you don't meet know. him. <laughs> right. right, right. I mean, you don't find out. Spoiler. Well, the Black Dragons are the gang. It's like Was a whole. That I don't a know. Scene? Yeah, I think Black so. Dragons. It's the Scorpions I, versus the Black sure, Dragons. So. It's sharks versus jets, I guess. Raymond is uh, painted as a playboy in the next scene when people are discussing who's responsible for the killing of Paolo's men it couldn't be Raymond because he's a playboy I'm so disappointed to see my best friend's only son become nothing but a cheap playboy we have to talk about Uncle Bill because yeah. he's an actual character All right. I thought he was in that first scene so he seemed like a full okay. character now I don't know what Uncle Bill is doing in the movie <laughs> so Uncle Bill rescued Raymond apparently from that first scene and encourages Raymond to seek revenge. Then we get to a restaurant where two gangsters who are representing Mr. Wilson come in and are trying to move in on Scorpion territory. So Raymond has this flunky. I don't know where the flunky showed up from, but he's there at this point with him. Um, they go to this. He's doing an internship yeah, at basically. in college that the Paolo's <laughs> game goes to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We put the try and triads here <laughs> in our internship program. Damn it. <laughs> So he goes to this restaurant that's in Scorpion territory, which is what his father used to run. But Scorpion, the Scorpions are messed up now because like they, there's a power vacuum. Paolo said that whatever that other gang on the docks right. like grunge could, came could, around. Yeah, there wasn't the it. same appetite for music yeah. like the Scorpions. Yeah, and so the 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 chef is deeply offended that he is here to basically claim. Claim his 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 rule as part of this territory, and so because of honor, starts a fight with Raymond, which then escalates into a comedy routine. Yes, <laughs> because okay. Raymond now goes, I'm on the same page. Because Raymond Raymond goes, well, if you're gonna kill me, I should get a last meal first, right? And he's like, all right, fine, yeah, you're right, you're right, you should get a last meal. So he like delicately is eating this rice bowl, and then he's like, okay, can I kill you now? And and Raymond goes, well, I should get a last cigarette first, right? And he's like, that's a good point, it's a good point. Before I kill you, you should get a last cigarette. So he takes a cigarette. And he's like, do you have 
I'm, I'm just explaining this whole scene verbatim because I love no, it. No, you should because it's, <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. <laughs> it's really beautiful. So, so he, he gets out the, the cigarette and he goes, hey, do you have a light? And the, the, the restaurant chef does not have a light. He's like, all right, oh, never mind. I'll make do. And he grabs delicately a hot coal from a fire next to the, the, the table and lights the cigarette with the hot coal without flinching. And the rest, the chef is blown away by this because yeah. he's like, what power? This man who can hold fire but not flinch? I want to work for you. And then Raymond turns to camera and goes, ouch, 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 and drops <laughs> <Yeah>, Awesome. <laughs> but as a result of this scene, Raymond now has two people in his corner random flunky that I don't know where he came from and this right. this sushi chef. There was a part of me during the scene when the chef has a double barrel shotgun pointed at uh, Raymond as he's like finishing yes. his dinner when I genuinely was like it, it could he could very easily be killed in this scene. like this movie up until this point and we should hammer home this is probably still only 15 20 minutes into the movie. like we are still early into this movie and by this point I have seen so many people of varying seeming importance to the plot just be killed I would have not been surprised if the chef had like unloaded both barrels into Raymond and he died and then the movie then becomes about the chef having to like yes. cover up a death of a <laughs> mafioso he then gets killed and like the movie just keeps happening like that uh, like a Jean-Luc Godard the, the the camera just keeps moving to the next character right exactly next Raymond visits Jenny who turns out to be the woman who was with Mr. Wilson in the private geisha show uh, she tests him by uh, offering him money to prove that he's not a playboy and is convinced that he's not a playboy when he doesn't take the money. He chose wisely. There are so many inconsequential scenes <laughs> yes. in oh, this. It's baffling, yeah. At this point, we can kind of start to put the movie on autopilot. Yeah, yeah, because, yeah. It, because it really is like Raymond has proven himself that he's going to take over the Scorpions again. He's got some people in his corner. Now it is a race to figure out who killed his father and kill them. The guy from the Japanese Hitler scene comes in. I think it's not yes. Mr. Wilson. It's I think it's whoever, this yeah, guy. guy is. Whoever yeah. this like other right. heavy is. <laughs> but this guy is like they really portray in all the in all the physical characterization characterization of this character in the performance that has been captured on film. This actor has a real sort of gravitas this actor has like a toughness and is even making baby blue 70s leisure, leisure suit look pretty tough like still be imposing <laughs> and the fully dub of his voice like they really did him a disservice his <laughs> voice is like where's jenny She's with a guest right now. I'll give her 10 seconds and then I'll wreck this place. Got it? <laughs> he's like 6'5", 280 easily. <laughs> like, it's like huge. dumping the rock with Wallace Shawn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, yes. Well, no, no, it's, no I, I'm sorry. We, I, got, I got off track, but it, it is worth noting that Jenny and Raymond's sex scene is a direct result of of that girl being real danger horny. Yeah. Like, he beats the shit out of those goons, and then she's like, oh, it is go time. <laughs> I really, really liked this sex scene because it was... What? It was... It was I hated I, no, this scene. No, I this gotta tell you. This is the point you, of the movie where I turned to Jamie and said, 
where did the ninjas go? I was so hoping that you were like, this isn't the point I, uh, where I turned to Jamie and I was just like, so? <laughs> oh, yeah. We got a little time. While the movie's busy, I guess. <laughs> Want to spend the I... night in the apartment we live in together? This, this is turning into fucking video thighs. <laughs> Jesus. I did like that sex scene because my boy Raymond, he was putting in that. Those were the moves I taught him, which you got to do. You got to do a lot of boob focus. Your, most of your job is going to be numbling on some boobies. In fact, it's all you're going to do. There will be no other sexual activity. I was like, that's up to. Jamie is going to jump through the camera. And Wait, is, that not, is that not good sex? That's what good sex is. That's all I've ever done. Listen, you just I'm just zoning fin- out of this point like I did those you, previous two scenes in this you just you, you just get your face down in there and just run a nose oh, from God, one boob oh, to the God. other. You run your nose oh, over one boob and oh, over the God. other boob. My man, Raymond. <laughs> Damn, man. I was taking notes. I'm going to be honest. I was taking notes. So Phoenix uh, uh, is now introduced to this side yes. of things. Phoenix now yes. comes into movie B. Asian Christopher Walken gives Raymond an invite to meet with Phoenix. Phoenix just tries to seduce him, fails miserably, and just resorts to spitting out the point. Mm-hmm. They say you're handsome, like your father. Hmm? Uh, I'm not interested in older women. I know who killed your father. She's always putting the vibe out first, uh, uh, propelling the plot second. Yeah. <laughs> she is. <laughs> she is laying it on the table. And uh, uh, if you pick it up or not. <laughs> she also, not like, I mean, you know, not that uh, this is something that movies are uh, good at assessing in general. She wasn't an old lady. No, she's like the same age, if not younger, than everyone else in the she's movie. The same, ostensibly the same age as Raymond, as far as I can tell. Yeah, but he just his everything is like, Ugh, get your granny panties out of my face, <laughs> you geriatric hag! Look, I'm gonna barf. I'm gonna narf. Which is the opposite <laughs> of like what he told. Uh, Jenny earlier on when he was like, ma'am, this man next to you is way too old for you. Oh my yeah. god, he does say that yeah. earlier. Uh, she tells I, him I that love him. Wilson killed his father. Uh, Which then, certainly, certainly must be the truth, right? Probably. We, for all we know, it is. Uh, then right, Raymond when she shoots said, Wilson. When she says that, I was just like, that means literally nothing. <laughs> <to> me. <laughs> yeah. 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 I did love the scene when Wilson, Wilson goes, you know, if this is about business, uh, we'll have to discuss it during my business hours. And Raymond goes, this isn't business. And you'd think it would be then be, uh, this is personal. No, it's the chunkiest. This isn't business. It's about a private matter between you and my father before he died. (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, all right, not the coolest, like, death line ever, but, you know. (laughs) Raymond really wanted there to be no illusions. (laughs) Like, make no mistake. This is what it's about. Yeah, and then he just shoots him. In the back. In the back. uh, Will's... Wilson's like on a jog and he starts, you know, he says, uh, this is about a private personal matter between you and the man who was once my considered father. my father in the uh, before the events of his untimely passing of which I am here. <laughs> and like Wilson chuckles and then starts jogging away and he takes out his 
uh, revolver and points at him for a while. And I was like pretty jazzed thinking it was just going to be like a scene of him pointing it, like getting used to the idea of killing <laughs> no. this man who was once part of his life. No, he fucking shoots him. <laughs> like, why would I think this yeah. movie was going to go the subtle road? <laughs> what, what of any of this movie made me think they were going to use restraint? And then hard cut to the next scene. Oh, uh, Wilson lived, by the way. <laughs> he's only yeah. wounded. Like a character Where, literally Raven just says, he's fine. Raven is in the waiting room of the hospital for some inexplicable <laughs> reason, and the nurse tells him... Mr. Wilson did not die? Uh, he was only wounded. He said it was an accident. He says, uh, no charges. He's filing no charges. There's a sex scene between Phoenix. We don't have to go into that. Like, No, that's such... yes, we do. No. <laughs> yes, we do. We're told just by Jenny very quickly, whoopsie, whoopsie-daisy, actually, Wilson isn't the guy who killed your father, I swear. <laughs> and then Wilson straight, like, just sort of, like, backhands Raymond, and Raymond gets all teary-eyed. And that's when uh, Wilson and the audience realize that, Raymond, you're not actually cut out for this crime thing. But I do want to talk about the sex scene because it's so hot. Casey's Steamy Corner. Oh, God. (laughs) Steve Penthouse (laughs) Forum. I've never seen this in a movie before. Who is this sex scene between? Which one are we talking about? Her and Johnny. Whoever the okay, hell so Johnny is. Not I, to be confused with the white boy Johnny who got murdered by no, Gordon. Different, different Johnny. No, there's different Jonathan Johnny. and oh. then Johnny. Okay, okay. Johnny Johnny is just a guy and he definitely he works for one of the were, other. I, I think he works for Wilson because the whole thing is that when he ends up sleeping with Phoenix, it's a backstabbing. Johnny gets in an elevator okay. that leads up to Phoenix's apartment and that transition into like it is great filmmaking. It is like such a cool shot. No, it it I, I mean it 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 tells the story that we are entering like a new we're we're like going into the upper crust world. And Phoenix is getting some uh getting some dirt. And the last shot of it is the guy Johnny's back. And this is very different from the first sex scene. Gone are the days of of nipple nuzzling. We open with BJ. We get a shot of Johnny's face and he has like a religious awakening. <laughs> yeah, he's never uh, ha- he's never had a blowjob in his life at that point. And, and <laughs> like- then and then we cut to like sweaty uh, intercourse like we're seeing the the two bodies like rock back and forth and she's you know she's in pleasure he's in total focus it was so <laughs> it was so awesome how like he was playing it as I really want to fuck good oh god I can't believe this is happening to me and then the last shot the last shot is, can you explain what that last shot like what the physics is, of that shot are it is all just the, like, we're seeing the undulating back muscles of this guy, Johnny. It becomes very clear what the point of the scene is. <laughs> is, to, is to be like, hey, we middle-aged men, we still we still pretty hot. Look at these delts. That guy, Johnny, <laughs> had a pretty nice back. It was like, it was, uh, it became sexual ballet. It was, it was all, uh, it was like a shot out of Antichrist. Phoenix has a meeting with Raymond's uncle. And during this convoluted conversation, he puts the pieces together of, like, who's pulling the strings. And she's like, you figured it out. Here's your reward. And stabs him. Remember, at this point, she also needs to not only throw Raymond off the scent of, like, make sure Raymond never figures out that she did it. Mm -hmm. She also needs to throw off of her scent 
uh, Gordon, know, who has been just like murdering people. Yeah, Johnny's chilling. In a Raymond hot tub. shows up. Yeah. Hey, he's freshly boned. He's having a. He's having a. Uh, he's having a, a soak. soak. And, and we get and we get a a, a, a nice but between the legs peeing thing. But actually, it's not pee. It's water from a kettle, and that bummed me out. Oh. Uh, yeah. I didn't what? realize that. <laughs> yeah, yeah you, I know. It was because the stream was strong. I was, and I was like <laughs> hot. Damn. <laughs> yeah, and at that point, Raymond was basically like, Dimes him out. It's just like, you fucking traitor. Yeah. We are going We are going to kill you. Now, Raymond actually does something uh, crime-ish yeah. where they string him up, mostly naked, hung from a tree, under... Uh, under him is a is a melting ice block. Yeah. Like it's stop me like if you've heard this riddle before. And that that's basically when when Raymond puts it together and literally says Phoenix and Paolo are the masterminds. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah yeah we've been here. The audience has been here. Here we we got it. We we got it. And then Raymond he confronts Phoenix about it and she's gonna kill him, but he's got a shitload of grenades strapped to yep. him. Yeah, this yeah the scene from the Dark Knight essentially. Yeah. Like he he comes in he comes which, in which is two decades later I might add. Yeah, you got some explaining Nolan. to do, Mr. Nolan. <laughs> I don't really know what he was inferring. Like, if she shot him, was he going to quickly pull all the pins? Yeah, un- <laughs> un- she unclear shot. how that was gonna how that was gonna work out. He was like, I'm walking out of here, and all I could think was like, well, they're just going to shoot him as he gets safely down the road, right? Yeah. <laughs> like, he's just, he's walking out the door like, hey, good plan, Raymond. He sees them, like, like <laughs> at, at the other end of the block, like, waiting with their guns in hand. Like, what? What are you guys doing? <laughs> he, he walks into the scene with Phoenix to sort of figure out, like, why'd you do it? Why'd you betray everyone? Or get get proof that she betrayed everyone, which is lying on her desk in a folder that just says scrapbook. Again, these are not filmmakers. These are collage artists making this movie. Here is the evidence. He then Gordon Raymond has like a family dinner. <laughs> this scene is incredible. He is cackling like a madman. But then like has an existential crisis. It's a gangster's life. Sitting at this at this table is Raymond, Jenny, uh, chef, our our new chef friend, and the old intern. Mm-hmm. And he's like having this like he's fully he's like he's like drunkenly waxing about like the choices he's made in his life. And he goes, uh, and it uh, he goes, I hope our kids will understand that. And I was like, our kids, <laughs> <laughs> like, like what is this sort of like polycule they've formed? This sort of like. Uh, our kids. All I could think was like the chef was gonna be like, "You mean it, boss? I'm gonna be a father." <laughs> <laughs> the headsman shows up at the restaurant oh. looking for Raymond. He kills the chef, whose name is Ricky. Ricky. I wrote it down. Okay. His name is Ricky. Oh, and Tony, Tony is his, is the other is guy. The, uh, is the flunky friend assistant. There's actually this pretty cool shot of uh, the the headsman leaves after killing them, and then you see. Raymond come up the stairs and enter in the same shot. It's like two ships passing in the night. It's pretty missed cool. it oh. by that much. Yeah, I know. I, I mean, this movie, this movie kills the henchmen. And, uh, 
like Raymond's henchmen, and it's like this movie spares nobody. Like no. those those henchmen had nothing to do with this. They you didn't need headsmen. Yeah. Do you have no honor? I thought <laughs> no one has honor. A, <laughs> I yeah. thought being a headsman because I knew what because I definitely knew what that was. <laughs> Raymond is not great at being a crime lord. Like he no. as he is. Re- oh yeah. He, as he re-enters this game, he shoots his allies. Uh, has uh, ev- everyone like who has decided to follow him ends up dead. He's just not cold enough. Yep. But he is a he is a fucking badass still, which is why we get a really awesome final fight in yes. a cemetery. Yeah. So the headsman left a note saying to meet at his, at. Jackson, who is uh, Raymond's father's grave. And then this is where we learned, ah, the headsman was the guy that Raymond saved on the dock that you saw for three seconds. Right, which matters no no (laughs) amount. It makes no difference. They fight. Uh, Well, it only matters in that I'm not going to stab you with the same sword that killed your two friends because that's how I'm going to repay you. We're going to settle this as men. Hand to hand combat, I guess. Yeah, right. until, until until guns. Until <laughs> well, until he does. Doesn't he? Pick he gets up the, he gets stabbed. Yeah, Raymond is fucking housing the headsman. Like this is this is this is go to like judges call it. Throw the towel in. It's <laughs> over. And so uh, headsman like grabs his sword yeah, and they his, sort of his square final off. Hail Mary, as it were. Right. And he goes for him, and and with a with a quick sort of like wrist grab, uh, Raymond turns the sword on the headsman, and he runs himself through. And it is a cool reveal because because the way it's framed, it looks like the headsman has stabbed Raymond. But then we zo- then we get sort of the close up of the situation, and we see that Raymond has in fact turned the head the headsman's uh, sword in on himself, dead <coughs> head. Yeah. always and always uh, it's the same i mean it's the same scene that's been done a hundred times which is like two people are like standing like nose tip to tip and a gun goes off and both react and you don't know until someone falls who (laughs) has been shot but with a sword it's just cooler everything with swords is cooler cooler. with a katana while he's bleeding out the headsman confesses uh, that it was him who killed Raymond's father. Also, he- my name is Ron. Oh, also his name is Ron. Yes, that's yeah. right. That's yeah. right. Yeah. Him his name. But he's I'll never forget dying. you, Ron. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's like, as if that, please, I wanted it to be Hesman. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. And it, just to cap it off of we will not tell you any character's name until it is too late. <laughs> yep. And then that's the end of this part of the movie. It's which the end of I, movie B. Yeah, which is nuts because we have not killed the Phoenix, <laughs> which which is just like like because at this point in the movie I was like we've got to kill the Phoenix right though, but it's an hour and a half into the movie. What else? And then they don't, and I was just like, okay. Which, no, she wins. She wins. She, right? Is she the one who killed Gordon? That's my guess. I mean, that's what I, I, I have read. to assume yeah. because yeah, now we've gotten to the end of movie A where Gordon and Paolo square off and then Gordon gets shot by who knows and uh, the well, freeze frames. <laughs> it's like Hong Kong Sopranos a little bit, but like, again, like I said, watching like Don't a YouTube su- super cut. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
it just sort of ends. It's yeah. because that's what the end would be. That's what it's that's what it's all leading for. It's leading towards, you know, the great the great joke of life that it's all leading to the sudden cut to black. And just like and that. just like that. Movie A and yeah. movie B. She is the only one who knows end. how to be a crime boss out of literally everyone we've been introduced in this movie. <laughs> the only right. character, yeah. It was any competency yeah. as a mob boss. In honor of our redhead fake Australian. Rip off report cards. George Miller would be proud. Power of Ninjutsu Ripoff Report Card is brought to you by my new book, Them Lying Hoes, How Godfrey Ho and Joseph Fly Made a Hundred Movies Without Getting Off Their Sofas. after 1980, it might be taken for granted that ninjas have forever been a part of America's cultural fabric and understanding. But if you lived in the 70s and were not Japanese, you might not have heard the utterance of shadowy figures throwing shuriken and wearing those shoes that separate your big toe from the rest of your foot. (laughs) Surprisingly, one film specifically would ignite a worldwide interest in ninjutsu and its practitioners throughout the 80s and beyond. That film is the appropriately titled Enter the Ninja. Canon Films, our friends, struck big with a martial arts film starring ex-spaghetti western star Franco Nero as the white ninja, fighting newcomer and actual ninjutsu-trained Shokasugi. What followed could only be described as a craze. Now, Enter the Ninja made a cool $13 million at the box office, and suddenly low-budget film producers were looking at big cash money. Think about it. You can hire name faces, put them in a costume that purposefully covers that face, get a real martial artist to do the stunts, and the public would be none the wiser. Canon themselves ended up making Revenge of the Ninja and Ninja 3 The Domination before five American ninja films. But they weren't the only ones. Ninjas popped up in tons of movies like Pray for Death, Rage of Honor, and Nine Deaths of the Ninja, all of which starred the now hot Kasugi. But it grew. Ninjas started popping up in toy aisles, in new home video game systems like Shinobi and Ninja Gaiden, and of course, in print and on television as four radical shell buds called the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Ninjas became a standby Halloween costume. Ninjas became ubiquitous. And where there's smoke, there's fire. People were hungry for ninja movies, and quick. So, this is where IFD Films and Arts Limited, a Hong Kong production and distribution company, and their heads Godfrey Ho and Joseph Lai come into the picture. The story goes that Ho and Lai, along with another friend Thomas Tang, realized that they couldn't compete with the major Hong Kong studios, and when Canon started to see big returns, 
they started to turn out ninja flicks. But the problem was, they couldn't make movies fast enough to meet the demand. So they started picking up low-budget movies from Thailand, Korea, Taiwan, wherever it was cheap. Then they'd cut up these films, shoot a few new scenes with Western actors in ninja costumes, slap those sequences at the beginning and the end, and if you're lucky, pepper them throughout the middle, <laughs> redub the whole thing, and call it something like Ninja Thunderbolt, or Diamond Ninja Force, or Thunder Ninja Kids in the Hunt for the Devil Boxer. Jesus. All real movies? Yes! It was like Ninja Alphabet Soup or some crazy no-budget Ninja Burroughs poem. The IFD crew, <laughs> under many pseudonyms, made no less than 100 movies like this. It's actually hard to accurately gauge how many credits they had because they would reuse footage, buy films, and just change the credits, ghost, write, direct, and edit others. The results, as you can imagine, are dizzy. <laughs> When these masterpieces arrived on American soil, they were packaged up with artwork depicting an orgy of ninja action, luring in prospective renters with foil boxes and lurid titles. Such was the strength of the boom that apparently Godfrey Ho could roll up to a film market and sell 30 to 40 films. Oh my Holy God. shit. Uh, fuck. <laughs> An interesting footnote is how Enter the Ninja employed a middle-aged Italian action star Franco Nero as the dashing lead. IFD similarly found its shining star in American Richard Harrison, a similarly steely-eyed and mustachioed leading man who became somewhat of a star in Europe around the same time as Nero. Having shot a bunch of scenes with Ho, Lai, and Tang, this footage was used and reused and reused and reused. <laughs> they ultimately cut Harrison in and promoted him as the star of nearly 30 films. <laughs> he has since gone on record to say that these films ruined his career. Oh, oh no. no. And uh, once the ninja craze subsided, Godfrey Ho ended up going on to make a series of films with Cynthia Rothrock. But that is another story for another ripoff report. Oh. Ripoff report card. Rip, rip, ripoff report card. This movie was made by some guys who made a lot of movies just like this one. <laughs> this has been Power of Ninjutsu. What do you think will be on that sweet, sweet final exam? My final thought is what this and all other movies made by Godfrey Ho, Joseph Lai, and Thomas Tang prove is that literally any movie, regardless of plot, is helped immeasurably by the sudden inclusion of ninjas. <laughs> Every movie should now have ninjas. Uh, I think we learned. That's the power of ninjutsu! <laughs> wait, wait, did Lisa just walk in? <laughs> 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 oh no! Oh, J Jamie. Jamie! Jamie fell off screen in slow motion. <laughs> Jamie, that's so sad. This is exactly how I lost my friends Peter, Paolo, Frank, Jonathan, Johnny. As I sort of sit here in the twilight of my life, 
uh, having like come to terms with this movie in my own way, as we all have to, that's just what growing up is. Is this movie not perfect? Like the more I look at it, the more I think about it, the more I'm like, I loved this movie. I think it's just like, if you stare long enough, you see the sailboat. I think it's just that. I think the picture just comes into, it slowly sort of like comes into form. Fun fact, I have literally never been able to see one of those pictures. I think I'm broken. What? <laughs> yeah, I can't so. get those books to work. I can't get those books to work. Thank you so much for tuning into this week's Video High, where we discussed the power of ninjutsu. We'd like to thank Seth Applebaum of Ghost Funk Orchestra and Gabriella Tessitore of Scout Harris for our wonderful theme song, Justin Ferraro of The Rizzos for our bed music, thanks to the great Chopin for the funeral march, and Shear for our lovely logo, and our teacher, Mr. Philip Marlowe, for our opening. Thanks from the whole Video High class, Jamie Kennedy, Josh Roth, Casey Regan, and me, Greg Hansen, for listening. Next week, we will be digging into the Thanksgiving stuff-ing that dreams are made of with 1972's schlock classic Blood Freak, the world's best but not only turkey monster movie, with our special dinner guest, Chloe Medgalchi. Check out Video High on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget, if the cranberry sauce doesn't hold the shape of its vessel, don't eat it. Until next time. Paolo, I got your number. <laughs> Raining in blood. I... Country code seven. Country... <laughs> up, up, up in, in your, your ears. ears. Podcast Network. <laughs>